I believe the Lord spoke to me as we were worshipping this morning. Ezekiel 43 says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the glory of the Lord of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. The visions were like the visions which I saw by the river Chabar, and I fell on my face. I believe the Lord said, He wants to do something with your perspective in this moment. The Lord wants to do something with your perspective in this moment. I want to ask you to close your eyes and focus on the Lord like you were just doing in worship. I've asked Natalia to stay. What I've asked her to do is actually to play the rain. And as she steps out in faith and begins to trust the lead of the Holy Spirit, I believe that the Lord is just wanting to do something in your life today, the same as he's doing in hers. See, Ezekiel says he saw a vision, a vision like the same vision that he had when he came to bring destruction upon the city. Which tells me something that God sometimes does things the same way, but with a different purpose. The feeling that I got as I, as I trusted and waited upon the Lord to speak into my heart, what I saw was many people that were walking through life in a constant storm. Almost like everything seems to be against you. That your only defense has been that you can build a wall of sandbags around you, but that is all. Because as the rain falls and as it beats upon your saturated face and your saturated hair, you're beginning to feel the pressures of it all and you're sandbagging yourself in so that you don't come to flood. That you don't come to destruction. And what the Lord says in that is He's saying that He wants you to trust in Him. Not trust in the sandbags. Not trust in your own strength. Not trust in your ability to wall yourself in. But to trust in His ability to deliver you. And that's where Ezekiel 43 gives me perspective. Because the Lord is saying, I have not come with the rain to bring destruction, but I have come with the rain that you may have life. I want you to close your eyes and visualize the rain. The picture that I just described of you walking in the storm and that you are drenched from head to toe. Where are you? What is in your heart? Where is your focus? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the ground or are you looking ahead? The Lord says, I am not in the ground. The Lord says, I am not even in front of you. The Lord says that I am right beside you. 
that you need a perspective shift in your life. Because what the devil meant for harm, I have meant for your good. That the refreshing rains from heaven are your portion. And it's time you trust in me that you may be the vessel of which I have chosen from before the dawning of time. See, a vessel allows water to flow through. And while we are busy in our own strength, bagging around us to stop the floods. In Ezekiel 47, a few chapters over, Ezekiel is led from one depth of water to another and to another until he cannot even stand in the water. The Lord has brought the rain into your life not to destroy you. The Lord has brought the rain into your life to surround you with His presence. Every gift of God's is yours. Every spiritual reality of Christ's is yours. And He will immerse you in it until you become it. So a perspective shift across this house right now. That what the enemy meant to destroy you with, the Lord has brought for your good. That your prayers will shift, Lord, from saying, Lord, take this rain from me to, Lord, will you drench me even more? For, Lord, I want more of you. Right across this house, there are people that are even hearing what I'm saying and you want to respond because you've walked this time and time and time again. This storm has beat you and beat you and beat you time again. And it's time to say enough is enough. Today, my perspective shifts. Is that, if that is you, I would ask you to stand to your feet right now. There's no shame in standing and making a commitment to your Lord. There is no shame in saying, God, I want more of you. There is no shame in saying, God, I can't do this in my own strength. The appearance of which I have put up and betrayed, portrayed for so long. I am done. I am tired. I cannot do it anymore. Lord, shift my perspective that I may see your reign and I may rejoice. I'm a huge believer that what is happening across our land in the, in the natural is a big, big, big understanding of what the Lord is doing in the Spirit. I want to declare in this house this morning that there is a fire that is rising from the south of this land and there is a flood that is falling upon the north of this land and when fire meets water, you will meet your Savior. You will see the God that we speak of. You will know that He is real and you will declare Him from the rooftops. Because no matter what it feels like in the natural, the truth and your reality is that you are seated with Him in heavenly places and nobody can snatch you from the Lord's hand. Holy Spirit, have your way now. You have spoken. But Lord, let it not 
just warm our lips and our ears. May it move our hearts. Let there be a shift over our lives today. Let us lift up our gaze to see you walking with us. Let us even turn our focus upon you as you lead us, Lord Jesus. Today we put our hand in yours. That is our position of surrender. Lord, would you lift us above the rain? Lift us above the negativity that our flesh would have us know. Would you speak deep into our hearts and bring security and peace and comfort to know that our position is secure in you? Lord, it is our job to reveal the glory of your kingdom. It is our purpose. It is why you have saved us and set us apart. It is why you have reconciled us into your kingdom. So, Lord, I ask that you would show us your ways. That you would reveal to us the glory and splendor of your son, Jesus. That it would drive all the fear and doubt out of our life. And in every heart today, Lord, would there be the warmth of your security and love around us to know that we are set free to reveal you in all things. got time I just think that there's some people that need to go and lay hands on these people that have stood this morning if your heart goes out for one of these people that are standing right now I ask you to do it to stand and just go and lay hands on them and don't prophesy don't try and read what they're doing just pray an amazing blessing on their life come on church Stand up and pray for someone. Stand up and release blessing of heaven over them. Stand up and declare the goodness of God over their life. Just trust your heart and speak out what God puts into your heart. Declare it over them like you're declaring it over your own life. Pray for them. There's some more people over here that need someone to stand with them. Would you come and stand with them now? Lay your hands on them and pray a blessing upon them. Some gentlemen down here, maybe. Just double check. Make sure everybody's getting some, someone to pray for them. If God shifted your perspective this morning, just begin to speak out to seal what that perspective is. That his face may shine upon you. You see, God is looking at you and he's saying right now, well done, faithful. Well done, my faithful child. Each and every one of you, no matter if you feel like you needed a shift or if you feel like you need to do something 
If you feel like that God is just, just bringing peace into your life now, raise your hands and just ask Him to bring more. Lord, I pray across this house that you would fill us with joy. That we would see that joy is our portion and joy is our strength. would have you know that when Jesus spoke of the wise and foolish builders the one who built his house upon sand and the other who built his house upon the rock the Lord would have you know that within the context of that story Jesus spoke of the constant storms we speak of God being our deliverer he doesn't deliver us from the storm he causes us to overcome them and to walk through them to the point that we would be not even phased by the storm that our rock and our solid foundation is secure in the person of Jesus Christ who died upon a cross for you, who died upon the cross and shed his blood for me, that he would set you free, that you would be established in his kingdom, and nothing would have you move. Father, we just seal right now the pictures that people have received. Lord, we seal right now the change of perspective. That while the rains may come and the winds may beat and the waters may rise and the fires may may try and destroy, that in fact, Lord God, as a vessel, we are carriers of water and fire ourselves. Which means that they cannot harm us. It means that they have no purpose in us except to flow through us for your glory. Holy Spirit, refine us now to be carriers of your goodness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Take freedom. You may find your seats or stand if you need to continue to stand. I give you liberty to do whatever you feel the Lord wants you to do. If you want to sit, you're welcome. If you want to play, I will rejoice. Amen. How good is God? See, it's one thing to go to church and hear something. It's another thing to engage with the one who would send his son for you in a real and tangible way. Church won't change your life. Jesus does. So when you come to church, your expectation should be upon the encountering of Him so that you can be an encounter for someone else. Amen? If you can't encounter Him in a Sunday service, 
then maybe you need to look inward at your own heart and say, why is that? God, would you break my heart for you? Would you tear aside the walls that I've put around me to keep me safe? To say that this is this and this is that. But would you reveal you and yourself to me? I come to be changed. I come to encounter the Lord. And my prayer is that you would be the same. Because the hope of this city, as we heard last week, is the church of Jesus Christ. Which means God has placed the fullness of this responsibility upon you and me. And he has done so with the full authority of heaven and the full empowerment of his Holy Spirit. The storms of this world have no right to pull you down. Amen? Over the last couple of years, we have been using these early weeks of February to set a tone, to establish a theme, in a sense, for what the Lord's doing. It's sort of capturing the heart of what, what the Lord is saying in a, in a moment and allow that to, to direct us in what He's saying. Some people call it vision. I don't necessarily call that vision. Our vision is clear. Our vision is to be as one. Inspiring faith, imparting hope and expressing love. That is clear, that is set, that is who God has called us to be as His church into this city. It is, it is open to the point that there are many things that are written in the Word that are to be fulfilled. But it reminds us that our portion is unity and our expression is the faith, hope and love that was paid for in Christ's blood. So it's not vision to talk about these things as, a, as the Lord's vision. It is just a, a capture or a moment in what God is saying to us. You might remember in 2017 that I, I shared around a couple of weeks on the, the word breakthrough. That I felt that 2017 was a year of breakthrough. Do you remember that? Those of you that have only been with us for a short time you may want to go back and just have a listen to those because they're all upon our archives within our website. I shared about breakthrough where I believe God had brought us through from an old mindset where we saw poverty broken and the call to lift our gaze to the God of the breakthrough. On March 16th this year, we're going to be having our annual, annual general meeting and we're going to have many things to share there in that concept. And I implore you all to be a part of that, to come along and hear what the Lord is doing in our business meeting. In 2018, in February, I shared around this concept of friendship, faith, and fruitfulness. In fact, I titled it Friendship, Faithfulness and Fruitfulness. And I opened up and unpacked this whole sense that we are friends of God first and foremost. That we have been accepted by the beloved. 
that you have been chosen by God, that you just weren't born in by chance, you were chosen by Him, which means that you have identity, it means you have purpose. And from that place, when we engage our faith with His faithfulness, which means when we put into action the very faith that He placed in us, that the result of that, the result of when earth is collided with heaven, that we would see fruit abound. You might not recall that. I called that with a subheading breakthrough times two. You might remember that. Again, what God is doing, and He's doing through you and me, He's doing through this local church, He wants to do through His entire church. Amen? We've all got brothers and sisters in Christ that attend other churches. We have the opportunity to influence the way that they perceive and see things, the same way that God changed your perspective this morning. We've all got friends that go to church because they think it's the right thing to do. But if you go to church to encounter God, then part of your purpose is to help them encounter the same God that has brought transformation and breakthrough into your life. For God to continue to grow us and develop our vision, it must begin from a place of identity. Knowing who we are and whose we are. This knowledge, experienced through faith in the call and purposes of Christ, would set us up to see a fruitful harvest. Now we've seen some steady growth. And last year, through many different activities, we saw some wonderful equipping of the saints. We saw some training for ministry. We saw some training in the prophetic realm. We saw people trained in evangelism and there's a continual um, purpose in that. We saw people activated in evangelism by attending the conference called Awakening or The Gathering. And I'm not sure, well sorry, I am sure that God is not done with this line of thought. I believe he wants to build us from this place and see mighty things happen through this local church. To see many set free and saved from a place of eternal damnation. You might recall that we looked at the series Driven by Eternity where many of us were shocked. Those who sat through the story of Aphabel and sat through the judgments of those who stood before their king, I can remember the tears and I can recall as people went through and processed their own lives and the resolve within the faces of those after that series to say, God, I want to stand before you and I don't want to suffer loss. The resolve to say, I want to hear the words of my king say, enter, well done, good and faithful servant. It was a real eye-opener 
and a motivator for us to reach out and reveal Christ to our neighborhood and our families. We've seen many breakthroughs in the last couple of years. It has been exciting to watch, to be a part of, and to even lead. Yet in my spirit, there is this sense that I am not yet satisfied. Do you feel that? Because if we can say that we are satisfied, then how are we ever going to be satisfied with the fullness of God? There is always more to discover in God. There is always more to find out of of His salvation and of His grace toward us. There is always more to understand of His purposes for each and every one of us. How can I yet be satisfied? Because satisfaction is actually intended for that day. When you and I hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. It is in that moment that I personally reserve my satisfaction because they are the words that I long to hear. There is a hunger that is growing not only in me, but in you to see more, to do more, to encounter more and to see genuine revival of both this church and this city where God would inhabit this place. Today, I title this message, Breakthrough to Breakout. Breakthrough to Breakout. Because unless our breakthroughs break out of these walls, then we must ask, have we actually encountered any level of breakthrough? Every blessing that is yours in Christ is meant to be shared with those who do not know it. You can apply that to any realm of your life. Where you have a breakthrough, you haven't yet caught it until you've helped someone else discover that breakthrough. So to break through is to break out of your comfort zone. To break through is to break into the purposes of what God has called you to. I think of Jesus. Who likes to think of Jesus? Yeah? Who likes to sit and just reflect upon the story of Jesus? And I'm not talking just sitting down and watching the Passion of the Christ and crying for the next week and a half. I'm talking of sitting back and just reflecting on the goodness and the good things that happened through his ministry, through his life, how he reveals God, how he reveals his purpose. I think of what his mother must have told him. You ever think of that? The story that his mother told him of the angel's visitation and his miraculous conception. That one day I was an adolescent, not that she would use those words because she wouldn't have known that word, but one day here I was, this young girl, And the next day, you were inside of me. I think of those. I think of how 
Elizabeth's baby John jumped and leapt in the womb when Mary came in. Do you ever think about that story? It's quite clear. It's recorded there in the Gospels. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And John leapt in his mother's womb because of the Spirit of God. I think of how Mary as a mother must have told her son that he was destined to save Israel and how that was not enough. And eventually that became that he was destined to save the entire world. You think about it. Put yourself in the shoes of an Israeli woman, a Hebrew person. Your whole world revolves around your culture. And here is the savior of your world. But that wasn't enough. And how that story must have developed to the whole world will come to know you. I imagine the anticipation building as the boy Jesus began to live in hope of these stories that his mother would share with him. Is this real? I can I can see him asking these questions. Or is it just me? Do, do, am I trying to put too much humanity on our Lord? The fact of the matter is, He is as much human as He is God. We have to look at this point. The humanity of Jesus is real. And it validates what we walk through in life. Because if we see that Jesus walked this life as a human being, empowered by the Holy Spirit, then there's hope for us to be able to overcome whatever it is we're walking through. Is this real? I imagine Jesus starting to seek the Father through his prayers and his studies. The moment and the shift in time when what he was reading as a Hebrew boy, the Torah, what he was reading became shifted from just becoming rote learning to becoming life and a pursuit of his life to encounter his father. I think of that and I think, wow, what actually happened? How did he find out? Like he wasn't born knowing 100% that he was going to die upon a cross. So what happened in the shift of him pursuing God in prayer and the reading of the word that challenged and changed his heart, that helped him to overcome in every moment? I ponder on his wisdom at 12 years old. Where he was captivated or where he captivated the religious instructors of the temple. You remember the story. Mary and Joseph started heading home. They had no idea where he was. They forgot their son because their son was not with them. Where was he? He was in the temple. And he had captivated the hearts of the religious teachers. They, they had no idea of the wisdom that was coming out of him. This boy... How does he know so much?
How Mary must have been so scared of his disappearance, yet so proud when she saw him about his true father's business. I see the reluctance of Jesus around the age of 30. Do you see it too? Oh, Jesus couldn't have been reluctant. Well, he was. When Mary came to him and suggested he do something miraculous at a wedding feast. Had Mary seen Jesus do a miracle before? How did she know that he could? Was there a miracle of provision for her and her family? Because history tells us that Joseph was actually killed. Mary was a widow and therefore Jesus became the provider for her family as the oldest son. History records that quite well. Had Mary seen the provision of the Lord in her household? To know him well enough that she could go to him at 30 years of age as a man to go to him and say now's your time and his response was woman my time is not yet because she had enough faith and tenacity to know that now was the right time and this family was going to be blessed because you are here how would you have felt your mother or your father has propelled you into a position how do you feel when you carry the answer that everybody needs in that story the answer was wine but it wasn't just the cheapest cask you can get down at the bottle it was top shelf it was the best the best wine you could ever get. And it was saved to last. And who got the glory? The master of ceremonies, the family. They got the glory because they saved the best wine to last. And Jesus and his mother knew exactly what had happened. Do you ever ponder these things? Do you ever put yourself into these stories? Because it's actually legal for you to do so because you're meant to represent Christ in all areas of your life. Some of us might have the faith to be able to just walk up and say, I know you're struggling and this is a wedding feast and you've run out of money. Here, I'll put some money over. Some of you may have the faith to do that. Some of you may be able to go around and just buy jugs of soft drink and put on people's tables and just say, there you go. But do you have the wisdom to say, this is from the bride and groom? This is from the bride and groom? To be able to do something to not take the credit for it? See, that's true Christianity, isn't it? Many of us want the recognition, but we don't want to do the work to get there. Jesus was never like that. Jesus sitting in a wedding feast as a 30-year-old man, now of the age that the men would usually become married. That was tradition of the day. 
the 30-year-olds would usually find themselves a young wife and because they are able to provide for her and they would have many children and their family would grow. It was the tradition of the day. Jesus sitting at a wedding, being asked by his mother to provide something for the wedding, something that in his flesh he knew he would never celebrate himself. What helped him overcome the trial of the flesh? All I can suggest is, as I ponder upon this story, is that he looked forward because he knew the wedding feast of the Lamb was to come. How much greater was the wedding feast of the Lamb going to be than any temporal feast that he could have and any bride that he could choose? His bride is you and I. His bride is this church. He could see that his bride was the church, but he had to let go of the flesh to see with the eyes of the Spirit to be able to overcome and see. Do you think that was a breakthrough moment for our Lord or not? To me, I do. Because everything within him as a 30-year-old man, trust me, I've been there, as a 30-year-old man was about me. It was about how I could see my family blessed. He overcame that and he broke through that because you and I were on his thoughts. This is Jesus. These are breakthrough moments for Jesus where he chose the kingdom over his flesh. These are moments where before he was made known publicly, his character was developed so that when the crowds came, he would not be tempted to fall. God in his wisdom developed his son in such a way that pride would never have a place in his life. I think then of Jesus and and I shift to something personal. I think of my own story. I think of my own life. Because each and every one of us have these same moments, these opportunities in life where we are presented with something. And we either choose to fall away or we choose to step into it and overcome. Like this morning, we stepped into the rain. Your choice, your perspective is what matters. I recall a moment before I came to this church that presented before me in the church that I was going to at the time was the opportunity of ministry. And if I'm honest, I've always said that I ran from that. But I think deep down in the middle of that, the reason I ran was because for me it was an opportunity to see pride set in. Because I was making something of my life. For me, this was a, an opportunity of breakthrough in my life. If I had accepted that, that offer of ministry, I think I would be out of the church today. It's not a, a, because of the church that I was at. It's not even because that my motives were wrong. It was just the timing was wrong. And therefore my development would have suffered. 
I was not yet ready. I recall this same time when my wife and I discussed the options and how we were not content. I I remember the unrest very well. It was for more than a week how I bellyached over what needed to be done. I loved the church I was in. In fact, I still love that church. I loved every person that was attending that church. I felt like I was in a place that I could call my family. I had had history with many of them. But I heard clearly the Lord say it was not my time and it was not where it was meant to be. Have you ever gone through the unrest, the unsettling, the not sure of what to do? I remember when I realized that it wasn't my path and I remember the tears that I shed. But then I remember as I prayed to God, I remember the peace of God that settled on my heart. And I remember that I became addicted to that feeling. You ever felt the peace of God in your life? It's the best feeling you can ever have when you're in turmoil, when you're turning and twisting and aching because you don't know what to do. And then God speaks and his peace rests upon you. It is the best feeling I think we can have in this world. Sorry, I feel like I'm speaking really slow. My wife and my my breakthrough came as we partnered with Jesus And we chose not to partner with another man's vision. Does that make sense? I don't want to talk disrespect on that in any way. And you've got to hear my heart in that. We have to assess the opportunities that come our way. Are they from God or are they just situations and circumstances? I remember stepping into this church. It was in a different building. I remember experiencing loneliness for the first time. When you trust God and you step out, there's always a test, isn't there? I remember pining for my friends. Anyone ever pined before? For me, it was like the story I remember is pining for the leeks of Egypt, even though it wasn't sin to think about my friends that I left in a different church. But I remember pining and thinking, wow. But this is what I'm about to say is all me. It had nothing to do with the reflection on the church at the time or anything like that. This was my heart. I remember saying in my prayers, Lord, this place is dead. I want to go back home. I had no reflection on the church at the time. It was the reflection of my heart. Because what I did was I resented the fact that I had to leave my friends even though I was following the voice of the Lord. And as now humanity, we've got to come to a place where we ask God to forgive us of those things. Yeah? You might be in a position today, no matter what's happened in your life, 
It could be a marriage breakdown. It could be financial pressure. It could be that your best friend and you have not spoken in 12 months and there's a rift between you. Whatever it is, you could be in that position and it actually might be something in your heart that you have to deal with so that you can encounter something of God's goodness. I had to deal with that because it had nothing to do with the people I was in fellowship with. For me, it was a breakthrough moment. It was the breakthrough in this area that led to the true breakout into Sarah and my calling in this church. Maybe you've encountered something of the same. Maybe you've felt you've walked through a desert period in your own life or that you are even in one now. Maybe there's a flip side. Maybe, maybe you've had an encounter with God. You know He has a specific task for you, a call, if you will. But you may not be seeing it unfold before you just yet. Could you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3? Verse 13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee... Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Isn't that interesting? How man's opinion can get in the way sometimes. Jesus had set his heart on being baptized, and he was the baptizer saying, I need, to be re-baptized. I need to be baptized by you, not the other way around. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Can you say well pleased with me? Say it like you're saying it to Jesus. Well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. Like, these are good things that Jesus is doing. But it's not about the things at all that Jesus was doing. It was about the choice to step into his ministry. The choice to step into the purpose of his life. It was about the choice of saying yes. I think in this moment, Jesus was actually saying, your will, not mine, be done. This was the first moment I think he'd done this. The last one was in the garden in Gethsemane, wasn't it? Before he walked to the cross. Father, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. I think it was actually when you look through the Gospels, you see moments of time of breakthrough in Jesus' life where he said that. Where he put the purposes of God over and above his own will. Have you had moments in your life where you can say the same? I think most of us have. 
Our very first one would have been the time that we gave our life to Christ. What a breakthrough that was. There's another one. Walking to the waters of baptism is a moment where you say, not my will, but yours be done. As you follow the voice of the Spirit and He leads you into a place, an atmosphere, an environment, even a different meeting where He's doing something new in your life and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and fire for the first time. Breakthrough moments in your life. When you have children, you think that the will of you think that it's your will to have children? I think it's the Lord's will that you have kids, yeah? They're all breakthrough moments, I think, in our life. I look at this encounter. The heavens open and the Lord descends upon him as a dove and he hears the audible voice of God. I think of this moment, I go, wow, what an encounter. What a proclamation over the son's life. If Jesus was unsure, then he wasn't unsure anymore. The Holy Spirit was with him from that very moment. He knew who he was and he knew whose he was. All that he believed he was destined for was now possible. And he knew that God was with him. It's a powerful thing to know the favor of God is with you. Amen. But is Jesus' response that helps me as a leader assess the hopeful from the real? Whether a call is genuine or only wishful thinking. Jesus was called or he was anointed, however you want to say it. And then he was tested. Let's look at Dr. Luke's account of the very same story to see what happened to Jesus next. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. In verse 1 to 2, it reads, And Jesus, say these words with me, full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led up by the Spirit, the same Spirit, into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, Well, as any man would be, he was hungry. Yeah? He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness for one single purpose, and that was to be what? Tested by the devil. Many of us want to run from these moments in our life. The challenge is for us, if we know that God is with us, we should run toward them because we know we'll overcome them. Jesus did not take a backward step. He stepped into this. Amen. Luke, 3, Luke 4 continued. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone. We understand that Jesus was tempted three times, don't we? He was taken up to the mountain and he was shown all of the kingdoms. And and, and he's like, the devil's like, if you just bow down to me and worship me, I'll give you all of this. You don't have to go to the cross. You can have it all, but you have to be under me. It sounds like the lie of drugs in my life, I think. Not my life, but 
the way I think about it. You can have all of the joy and all of the euphoria and all of the escapism that you like in this world, but you must bow down to me. That sound about right? You must take this pill and then all of a sudden you can go and have a rave at a party, but your life's still in my hands and if I want to take it, well, I can. It's just so wrong. As the church, we've had, or as a church, we've had our significant trials. We've walked through a wilderness and we've come out. We've come through, not bowing to the attempts of the enemy to take our focus. You know, churches are tested all the time to follow this new fad or to go after this new craze or to do this or to do that. Someone walks in and they take the church's attention and they take it away from what God's purpose is all the time because the enemy is still as real today as he was to Jesus. We need to be vigilant in these things. The flesh wants recognition. Leaders can be tempted in the flesh and to find recognition. I remember last year we had a speaker come and the last day he was here, he asked me, Pastor Steve, I want you to come to India with me. I'll set you up and you can speak to 10,000 or 5,000 or whatever you want. I remember the words. Now, he himself was genuine and the invitation was genuine. There's nothing wrong with the invitation at all. But when I sat back in prayer, what I heard was my own pride in the middle of it. When I assessed the situation and I looked at it and I asked God to reveal my heart in this situation, I turned it down because it wasn't God's timing for me. We have to do the same things. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is good. I've got no problem. If God wants to open a door for me to go into India, then I will go into India. He knows that. I settled that issue with him years ago. Hear the voice behind it. Even Jesus looked at his most trusted friend in Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Didn't he? Mm -hmm. So we think about these things. We've been tempted in the flesh because the flesh wants recognition. It desires to dominate your thinking. Those feel-good moments to only be at church when it feels good. When I benefit from participation, then I will participate. The temptation of the eyes to covet what others have. We have not compared, but across our ministries, we've sought the Lord for guidance and temptation and the temptation to promote ourselves as greater, to keep us from those things. I don't think I said that right. We've sought the Lord as a church. We've asked Him for guidance and to keep us from the temptations to promote ourselves as greater because we are not. We are not about pride-seeking or recognition it is not a part of our DNA. I would hope I'd hear an amen in that. You know, John writes of this brilliantly in his epistle. His first one, 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You can have the pride of life. You can have the desires of your eyes or your flesh, but you will pass away with them. That is the truth. When you come into the encounter with God and you let go of your life, He becomes the Lord of your life. Which means He has your life in His hands and He brings you into an eternity with Him. I believe we've come through the significant trials and one more obvious one that we must continue to overcome. And I'm going to say it because we're not there yet. That is the fear of man. We must take the head of that giant. We must step into the call to become the full expression of the kingdom of Jesus. And we do so knowing the cost. The cost is your life. It cost him his, so why should it not cost us ours? In Luke, he continues, And Jesus returned after his temptation, after walking in the desert, after walking, being tempted by the devil. Luke writes, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Before he went to the desert, he walked out in the knowledge of the identity of whose he was. And when he came back from overcoming the challenge, he walked back in the power of the Holy Spirit and into the fullness of his calling. When you overcome the trial that the Lord is walking with you in, as you walk through the rain and the storm that he is leading you through, At the other side of that is the promise that you walk out of that in the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit into the encounter so that you can be an encounter for others. That is what happened with Jesus and we are called to follow Him. Are we good followers today? To be a disciple is to be a follower of Christ. Are we good followers? The ministry of fellowship has not been very strong in the church of the West for a long time. If we follow Christ, we will become like Christ. Jesus was revealed in the power, in power to his own people. What happens if we are revealed from a place of breakthrough? I believe we break out. You break through an area and overcome something in your life. It gives you a story to tell. Your testimony is power. And while you hang on to it, you have no power. When you share your testimony, all of heaven stands behind your testimony and you will encounter the power of God. And lives will be set free because you have been open to God. God uses you as someone he wants to change others with. 
He wants to transform them the same way he transformed you. My question is, do we approach this very question of breakthrough to break out from the flesh or the victorious position of being in Christ that says and declares that nothing can separate me from the goodness of God? When Jesus was revealed to his people, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Jesus was tried to be thrown off a cliff so that you don't have to be. You live in a safe place. It is called Griffith. It is in the middle of New South Wales in a country called Australia. And the persecutions of your faith are not actually persecutions because your life is not at risk. To lose a friend for the cause of the gospel is actually worth it if Jesus receives the glory. Jesus lost many friends. Many people turned away from him. But when he was revealed in fullness... Many turned back. Even Jesus' own brothers turned away from him. And then we find in the very book itself, a book written by his brother. Actually, two of his brothers. I find that remarkable. Two people who rejected that he was the savior of the world are now written and writing books of who he was. How amazing is our Lord. If Jesus was rejected in his hometown, that is the truth. You too might be rejected in your hometown. But the reality is that Jesus is actually rejected everywhere. And you never can be. Yeah? Well, you probably can if you're a bit like a donkey. If you're going to walk around and be like a donkey to everybody then you might be rejected. But if you're genuinely in love with God and you're genuinely moved by the encounter, there will be people that will be changed by your story and your life because the power of God wants to work through your life. So if Jesus was rejected everywhere, then it's an actual honor to be rejected in your hometown too. The beauty is that he is also received everywhere also. There's always a flip side to the coin, isn't there? There's always a glass half full scenario. Across every nation of the world, Jesus is accepted now. Yeah, he might be rejected at the government level, but he's accepted. He needs a church to stand up, to emerge full of the Holy Spirit and in power. He needs a vessel that he can break through so he can break out to reveal himself as the saviour of the whole world. My question in conclusion today. You've encountered Jesus. This morning, many of you, through the prophetic word of his spirit, felt a shift in your life. The question that lies before you is, do you believe this? Have you renewed your mind enough with the word of God to be able to hear the lie when there's a lie, when the enemy is telling you that you're not worthy, when the enemy is telling you that you can't do it, when the enemy is saying that your word is useless. Are you able to listen to the very spirit of Jesus who went through very similar things 
so that he could find his breakthrough so that he could break out to be the breakthrough for you. You see, if Jesus never walked to that cross, if Jesus never gave up his life, if Jesus didn't die in your position, then breakthrough would not be on offer for you today. You would always be trapped in this cycle of sin. You would always be trapped in the knowledge that you are separated from a God who loves you. If Jesus never went to that cross, if he never overcame and had breakthroughs in his own personality and his own humanity, he would never have gotten to the place where he could be your breakthrough. And today, Jesus wants to be your breakthrough. In my life, I say yes. But I can't force anybody to say yes. I might be able to wrench your arm behind the back of your head and have you say yes against your will. But my words are not powerful enough to have you say yes. But the Lord that you said yes to in the day that you gave your life to Him, maybe His words are. Maybe His words speak deep to us. Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As Jesus breathed upon them, they received the Holy Spirit. Tarry in the city. Wait to be endured with power from on high. Then you'll be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are the words of Jesus. These are the actions of Jesus. These are the ones that come from the one who would lay his life down for you. I'd ask that you would bow your head this morning and allow the Spirit of God to touch your heart. Position yourself in a way that God can see that you are open to Him. For some, that might mean just opening your hands. For others, it might mean you need to go onto your knees and surrender. For another, it might be that you must stand in your place. And another, it might mean that you just raise your hands in your seat. Whatever it is, my eyes are closed. I'm not even looking at you. I'm looking to my Lord. My... My prayer is that this not just be a message about breaking through so that we can have a great bake balance, so that we can have a full church, so that you can have a a new job and a good family and, and everything working right in your life. While they are promises in the word, my prayer is that Jesus would receive the glory that he is owed, the glory that he has deserved, that he would receive everything that he paid for at the cross. And that is a bride, that is a church that is willing to say yes, that I am all in. I'm not asking you, and I don't think the Lord is asking you to make this a one-time commitment. I believe he's wanting to lead you into a position of encounter 
where you will encounter him daily. And I just declare over your life that a hunger would rise in your heart for the more of God. I also declare over your life that the Holy Spirit would move you into a place of fellowship where you would hear the heart of God and you would follow him, where you would encounter the presence of God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And as Ephesians 3 says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. In other words, exceedingly abundantly, that that it goes over and above anything we can imagine. Some of you are imagining now what God wants to do in your life. Well, he wants to take that over and above. There are people who are ministering to ones and twos that I believe God is calling you to minister to tens and twenties. And today in your encounter, there's an upgrade for you. There are people that are ministering to tens and twenties, and I believe the Lord is saying that He wants you to minister to fifties and hundreds. There's just a shift that is happening across this place as you encounter the goodness of God because He wants to break through you so that you could be his vessel. That you can carry his breakthrough into others. There are people that have ministered to hundreds. The Lord is calling you to minister to thousands. There is just an up- upgrade and an increase in your life. There is a favor to share the gospel. We're just releasing that favor now to share the gospel. For many of you who have stumbled around words and have tried to research what needs to be said and you know the Roman road backwards and you, you, you know the way to engage a conversation, the Lord is just going to move you into a place where an everyday regular conversation becomes spiritual. God is just going to position you in the marketplace where you will just hear from His heart and you will share His love and you're going to see a change and a shift and you're going to see people's, people's attention captured by God. God is just saying that as you love him, because it's a response of his love for you, he's going to lead you into these encounters. And you're going to ask God and you're going to say, God, what next? And as you do so, the Lord is just saying that he's, he's going to lead you through the fear of man. And it's come, there's going to come a time and it's, in, it's even now, I say. That the Lord wants to use your hands to set free the sick. Just an upgrade of healing across this place. An upgrade, an expansion of the prophetic voice of God to open doors that have never been opened. And to break through hearts that are locked shut due to hatred, due to unforgiveness, due to brokenness. The broken hearts are going to be mended as you shine the love of Jesus. I see a picture of Jesus sitting with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And I see his church in those places. I see the church actually getting ridicule because of people who are sitting with these people. And I see a church that's rejoicing 
because I see a church that is for the lost. Lord, I pray spirit of breakthrough upon this house and I declare that as we break through that we break out and we become someone else's breakthrough Lord I know what I ask and I believe that as you've led us by your spirit today I believe, Lord God, that the storm that is against us, you will use for our good. That we will be a beacon of light and a revealer of hope in a place of despair. I pray for every person that we encounter this week that something of your spirit transfers from us to them. And that each person that we pray for and we speak to and we talk about you too would receive a mark from God that the Holy Spirit is moved to bring them in to your kingdom. I pray, Lord God, as we position ourselves as your church to be what we are called to be, that we can only do what we are called to do, and that, Lord God, we ask that you do what you can do. For, Lord, we cannot bring the salvation of souls, even though we carry the good news, but we ask your Spirit to go before us and to prepare the hearts for the good soil and the good seed to connect. Lord, we will position ourselves where we can be, that you can be God to a people who have no hope. Lord, I ask that every person in this church would be hungry for the same. Lord, I declare exceeding abundantly more than we could ever ask, imagine upon this house. Give us wisdom. Give us capacity. Give us life. Let us behold your goodness. And as we are bearers of light, let us comprehend it. In Jesus' name we pray. Pastor James.